Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. An employee mindset is like, you give me the structure and I'll go and fulfill on it. And an entrepreneur mindset is, I create the structure needed to get an outcome, okay? An employee mindset says, my income is capped via this salary, via via the trading hours for dollars, which is what all trainers do. And so they expect less of themselves and of their income. Rather, an entrepreneur is like, I can make whatever I want. The most important job of a leader in someone's life is to have belief in the person that they're leading because belief is the most powerful force on earth. What I've learned is that if I want to identify my beliefs, then all I have to do is look at my results. And if I want to improve my beliefs, I just need to look at my results to know what I need to believe instead. Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great fit. This year we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today, I have Sterling Griffin on the show. So Sterling has created a massively successful business on how to teach uh, trainers to scale their businesses online. But don't let the personal trainer part put you off if you're not a trainer. I had Sterling in my home to record this episode, and I'm glad I did, because when you do an episode with somebody in your house, there's an intimacy that you can't get when you're you know, doing it uh, online. And we were able to just sit down quietly with a cup of coffee and really get to know each other and discuss all the things that it takes to bust through those limiting beliefs that we have about worthiness and um, some stuff that we've, you know, may have picked up directly or indirectly as a kid uh, from our parents, and really what it takes to achieve a a real level of fulfillment with your life. So I love this episode. I think you will to give it a listen and uh, shoot me a comment. Let me know what you think about it. So please enjoy this episode with Sterling Griffin. Well, 
Well, Sterling, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, I, you know, you and I have been traveling in concentric circles yeah. um, of friends, but yeah. we haven't had a chance to actually hang out. So this is going to be this is going to be really cool. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, because I know we have a lot of mutual friends. A lot of mutual friends. So let's go back to the '90s in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> what the fuck was that like in Baton Rouge? So I didn't. I didn't grow up there necessarily, but I was born there. All my family's there. I made trips back and forth all the time. But actually, my parents moved when I was two years old to Pensacola, Florida. So Northwest Florida, I grew mm -hmm. up like right there on the beach or near the beach. Yeah. And then like six months after that, they divorced. So we were, we moved all the way out from our extended family. And then they were like, well, we actually don't want to be together anymore. And so I grew up in that, in that little town back and forth between both and of their And how old homes. were you when they got divorced? Two. Yeah. You I was were still two. two years old. Mm -hmm. Okay. And your mom is Karen. Is Karen, that, that's right. That right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she was, tell me if I got this right. She pushed you. She was the one that was like, get out there, raise the standards, do it better. Yeah. yeah. How do you think that sort of parenting allowed you to achieve sort of the success that you have now, let's say? Well, I really, I appreciate, first of all, I appreciate this question a lot because yeah, my mom more than anyone else had belief in me that I was meant for more. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I was, I was a very insecure, naturally insecure kid. I had trouble connecting with people. I had trouble making friends. I didn't do so great in school, but yet through all of that, my mom was like, you are the smartest kid at your school and you are going to do great things. I remember once specifically, there was one moment when I was in seventh grade and I was just having a, a really hard time during that season. Recently, my uh, my first girlfriend had cheated on me, and so she was with in another, seventh grade. In seventh grade, you still remember that shit? I of course it was my <laughs> first girlfriend. How could I forget? Okay, and I was just feeling sorry for myself. And then one morning, it was early in the morning before school. I looked in the mirror and I realized that my head had grown to the size that it is today but my body hadn't caught up with it. And so I was walking around like a bobblehead. I was looking at myself in the mirror. It's really funny. Yeah, but it was it was actually devastating to me as a seventh grader because uh -huh. I'm like, oh, wow, this maybe this is really my future. My whole life is going to be like this. Yeah. And my mom walks by and she's like, honey, you ready for school? You ready to leave? And I say, mom, I don't know if I can go to school today. Have you seen me? I mean, look at this. Look at the bobblehead. Yeah, look at the bobblehead. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> And she said, she said something, and this was like the story of our, her whole parenting with me. She said, don't worry, honey, you'll grow into it. Mm. Don't worry, honey, you'll grow into it. And my mom, and, and I say that as kind of a silly example. Obviously, I did grow into it. My body like matched my head, but my mom always saw something in me before it was there. She saw my intelligence before the grades proved it. Uh -huh. She saw my my love for people, my compassion before I had real friendships or real developed friendships. She saw my business success before, like when I was still homeless. Uh -huh. Just a few years ago, she saw that it was inevitable. And so because of her belief, I, what I always say is like the most important job of a, of a leader in someone's life is to have belief in yeah. the person that they're leading because belief is the most powerful force on earth, I believe. Do you believe that she had belief because she knew that you had the gifts or do you think that she 
she instilled belief in you and you developed the talent, the skills, et cetera, to be able to accomplish it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think that she saw something that I didn't see. Like she had access vision and I think moms have that ability with their children, mm -hmm. or at least mine do, mine did. And so because she saw those things that were there, it was almost like it unlocked it. Mm -hmm. And then once it was unlocked, once I, once I started to repeat back what she'd say, like, oh, I actually am intelligent or, oh, I am capable. I am determined. When I started repeating back those things, they became true. And this this brings me back to a question that somebody asked me the other day. Do you know Danette May? Yeah. Okay. So Danette, I was hanging out with Danette and Craig the other day. And Danette, after we were talking about entrepreneurship and building businesses, and they have an amazing company, as you know. Incredible. And one day she asked, she texted me back a couple of days later after that, if we were hanging out in Utah for Mastermind. She said, Do you think that people are born entrepreneurs or do you think they can be made into them? And I thought about that for a second and, is, and I said, well, let me just tell you from my experience, I was not born an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I did not believe this was, I was meant for this. I didn't think I was capable of it, but I became this person. I believe that anyone can become an entrepreneur and make a bigger difference in the world, but with a big ass but mm -hmm. caveat of you have to be willing to work on yourself. And you have to be work, willing to work on yourself way more than you think you do. Mm -hmm. Because if you're able to identify what are, you, what, what are your beliefs about failure? What are your beliefs about, about money? And if you're not able to like identify what they are and therefore reorient them towards something more positive, then you're going to stay stuck. And to be an entrepreneur, you can't be certainty-focused. You can't be certainty-minded, like trying to keep everything the same or trying to keep yourself the same. Mm -hmm. You have to constantly evolve. And so I told I told Danette that. I said, entrepreneurs, I believe, are made. Now, sure, are there some people that they are three years old and they're out there selling real estate? Like, there's this little kid, Tiny Trump, in Canada. He's oh like, God. he literally was selling real estate by four or five years old. He's like super entrepreneurial. I don't know yeah. if that's a good thing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this was, yeah, he was we need, coined we need, this we before president. We need a new name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that that was certainly not my story. I mean, I didn't even think I could be an entrepreneur until like five years ago when I started spending time with some of them, seeing that they were normal people, seeing they were just people that were focused on growth. And when I saw a bunch of them enough times, I was like, well, fuck, if they can do it. I can do it. Me. Uh, let's talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. The Are you familiar with the book Mindset? Yeah, yeah, by Carol Dweck. Dweck, yeah. Have you dug into that and really like, you know, studied it? I actually or? haven't read that book. Okay, no. it's a, like, you don't need to because okay. it's 300 pages of exactly what you just said. Oh, wow. And um, we can talk for hours about, all the different studies that she's done, mm -hmm. but you have embodied the principles of what she's talking about. The question that I would wanna ask you around mindset is a lot of people struggle with the willingness to be able to say, I'm coming up short in this area or the lack of self-awareness to identify that I've got a blind spot here and I need to address that. How did you get yourself to a point to have the self-awareness to be able to say, you know, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at relationships. I'm not mm -hmm. good at um, numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm not, like mm -hmm. whatever the thing is. And then when you got to that point, how were you able to overcome it? So in other words, like what's your system to identify your Achilles heel? Yeah, yeah. Love this question. So this, my whole personal development journey really, really started to take off when I went to a Tony Robbins seminar, UPW. This was in October 2015. Now, I had never been to a personal development event by this time, 
But I heard from every person that I knew that was successful, like, hey, got to check out his stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I literally leveraged my last my last few dollars that I could have spent on rent. Instead, I took it and I went to a, a seminar with Tony Robbins. It was my last month where I was paying rent and then I went homeless the month after. And that was what year? This was 2015. 2015. the end of 2015. Not yeah. that long ago. Yeah, not long ago. And when I went there, have you ever been to UPW before? I've done five UPWs and oh. seven day, uh, date with destinies. So, wow. It's okay. So you yeah. know, yeah. I don't even need to tell you, yeah. but for if, if someone- But you got to remember, and, I'm 112 years old. So, oh. <laughs> you know, I, my first Tony Robbins event, just to give you context was, and you'll appreciate this. It was 1984 and it was him and his first wife. Now him and his second have just celebrated their 20 year anniversary. Right, right. So it was him and his first. Right, right. And it was, UPW was $99. Okay. Get you out. Went, I swear to God, it was $99. in Manhattan. It was $99 and it was him and his wife for three hours. Then they walked to the back of the room, sat at a card table and sold you for $1.99 the remainder of the weekends. Oh, wow. That's how long ago it was. Wow, what a different business model. Yeah, so it was still a four-day event though or a three-day event? Uh, it was a, th- a three. It was Friday yeah, yeah, night, yeah. Saturday, and Sunday. Wow. And then he, and then like 10 years later, he added the Monday nutrition thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but go ahead. No, no, that's fascinating. I had no idea because I just, 2015 is my first experience. It was like totally a rock concert. I mean, you know what it is now. It's so different. Of course. So it's the, for the person that's listening, you may not know, it's like 50 hours, basically like a personal development rock concert. You're working on yourself. You're dancing like crazy. You're massaging people that are strangers. You don't know. It's nuts. Yeah. But on the final day of the event, Tony said something that really got my attention. He said, okay, so if you walk out of this event and you leave with nothing else, but what I'm about to tell you, it will have been worth it and your life will completely change. And of course he says that, I was like pen to paper. I'm like, well, tell, tell me what it is, Tony. And then he said, proximity is power mm. and who you surround yourself with is who you become. And so in that moment, I started, he's, he started talking about like, if you want to know why you are where you are in your finances, just look at the five people closest to you. Mm-hmm. If you want to know why where you are with your body, like look at those five people that are close to you because you're going to be the exact same or the average of those five people. And so I start looking inward at this moment. And I'm like, okay, so who are my friends? Like, well, it's this person, this person, this person. Like how, how overweight are they? <laughs> like, or how fit are they? How broke are they? Or how much money do they have? What's the quality of their relationships like? And I honestly didn't like what I saw. Mm -hmm. I realized that, oh, this is why I'm stuck in my life is because these are the people that are influencing me most closely. At that moment, I made a commitment. I'm like, whatever I got to do, whoever I got to become, I got to start spending time with more successful people. Because if I do that, I trust Tony that automatically I will start to take on those character traits that I'll level up. Yeah. And so that was an, an uncomfortable process at first. I started traveling down to this community of coaches and spiritual people in Encinitas. If you're... You know the, what that is? Is that the one, It's what's the name of the center? It's like right on the beach there. Is that what you're talking yeah, the, about? Yeah, um, the spiritual center of something. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, I, I know exactly what you're talking it's about. It's Yogananda's place. That, yeah. yeah, Center for Spiritual Awakening. I don't know. I've remember. always wanted to meet somebody who actually went there. Because yeah. every time I have a friend that lives in it, Christine Hassler. Yeah. She lives yeah. in Encinitas. Oh, so when okay. I go to, whenever I go to that area, I'm like, 
what goes on behind yeah. those walls there? <laughs> so you went. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty chill, bro. Okay. It's just like meditation. Okay. It's like beautiful scenery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, the property has got to be worth $100 million. Oh. Like oh, it's easily. insane. Yeah, it's, it's on huge. the beach. Yeah. Um, so what'd you do there? So, so I went there because I knew like one coach that was a successful online coach. And I was like, well, if I go there, then they'll probably know other people. Yeah. And they can introduce me and I can make friends. And I'm, I'm going to be the odd man out for a while, but eventually... I'm going to start to take on their not only their their results but their actions, their thoughts, their feelings. Mm-hmm. And so at, at first I was like I'm a fish out of water. I don't feel like I have anything to add to these people. I felt very very uncomfortable and I think that anytime I've wanted to up level my social circle at first it's very uncomfortable whether they're it's because it requires a big investment to join a mastermind, which happened. Well, that's what happens when you invest in a mastermind. You are up-leveling your mm-hmm. social circle. Or if it's, I'm going to reach out to somebody that I know is influential, or I'm going to, whatever it is, there's always some level of discomfort when you're reaching up, when you're leveling up. Mm-hmm. But you have to choose what kind of discomfort you're going to live in. Are you going to live in the discomfort of growth or are you going to live in the discomfort of lack of fulfillment because you're stagnant? Mm -hmm. And so either way, you're going to be uncomfortable. It's just like what level and what intensity are you going to live at and what's going to be the result on the other side? Were you in a relationship in 2015 when you went to the Tony Robbins events? I wasn't. You were Okay, so you know, having done so many Tony Robbins events, what I generally see is that one will go to an event like that and the other one won't. And then I'll just watch this match massive growth on one side, but not the other side. Mm. So I was wondering if you were experiencing that, but you weren't. Tony's events for me have been, I mean, you know, if you've done UPW as you have, it's incredible. And I hate to say this because I really, but, but it's true. Like on a scale of one to 10, it's a one to date with Destiny's 10. Wow. Because you you start the event at Date with Destiny like eight o'clock in the morning, you finish at 2 a.m. for six days. Yeah, You're out of your body, you're out of your mind. I would not be, had I not done that relationship, my wife and I do a podcast together um, now, so a lot of people listening are familiar with my relationship because I, I do a show with her. We would have never been married. Never, ever, we would have never stayed married. So you married. went to date with Destiny. We went to date when with Destiny. When you were in a relationship? Yes, Before with my married. wife. No, with my wife. We would have never, we would have never stayed married. Stayed married. Yeah, we've, we, we would have never stayed married because we learned so many things about masculinity and femininity and about um, understanding each other's natures and allowing the other person to be who they are. And, you know, like I can go on and on, you know, Tony, like it's like drinking off of a fire hose. You can't write it all down. Yeah. So like yeah. your hand hurts. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what we came away with doing those exercises were life-changing. So, you know, if you loved UPW, you will love Date with Destiny. I've, well, I've done Date with Destiny oh, you have? too. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I did that okay. in twenty end of twenty sixteen. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. It's, nuts. it's a it's deep dive. It's completely nuts. Yeah. So, okay, so we have you know Tony's the the guru, right? Tony's the the UPW, and I know he he's not your guru on Netflix, but he's done uh, UPW Date with Destiny. Who's the guy now that you think? 
is, I hate to say as good, but who's the guy now that you feel like you could really, or girl, that you feel like I could really learn from this? Because Tony is always the one that people talk about. Mm -hmm. But is Mm -hmm. there anybody else that's even a close second or an area of your life? Well, what's cool right now is I think that there are so many, like Tony was somebody that is one of the forefathers of our industry in some way. He's still alive, he's still doing things, but he's kind of one of the, a, a symbol of the previous generation. He does a lot of general personal development. The beauty that I think we have now in the industry today is like we have so many different kinds of coaches for to solve different kinds of problems. And so I don't think there is the same level of like, oh, there's this one person for everything that you need. Instead, there's lots of different people that you can work with based on what skill you want to acquire, what feelings you want to start to have more of, et cetera. And so I have lots of different coaches personally mm-hmm. in many different areas of my life. And in, in so I go see a therapist that helps mm-hmm. me in my relationships in my personal life. I have a business mentor that helps me with like marketing and fulfillment and things like that. I have a mastermind where I can go and have connection with other people that are high level entrepreneurs. So I have, and I have a fitness coach that helps still train me, even though I am a fitness coach, I train fitness coaches in business. Like I have somebody that trains me there too. So I have lots of different mentors for each area. So I don't, I don't expect anyone to have all the answers for me. No one does. It's great. Yeah. But I will say this one guy that is someone that I really admire that I look up to a lot and I want to be more like is Brennan Burchard. I think that Brennan Burchard is the kind of person, not just in in what he's producing in terms of output, but like the kind of person that he is. I've met him in per- Have you met him before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've met him and and anyone that I know that's met him always speaks very highly of him, of his energy, of his care for people. And so when I look at, at Brennan, I mean, I think about myself, where I want to be in a decade from now. Mm-hmm. I want to have, yes, the business mentoring that I do now. I love it. I'm so passionate about helping fitness coaches and health coaches grow profitable online businesses. I've done it for a thousand of them to create full-time businesses now. But I really do want to step into that personal development area too because I feel like this area of developing your mindset, developing your health, developing your belief in yourself, all those things like... I didn't get those lessons as a kid. I didn't get those lessons. It was almost by accident that I got them when I was in my when I was in my mid twenties. And so I want to help as many people as I can get access to these lessons. I want to make what what I often tell people when I talk about my vision for when I step into personal development. It's I want to make transformation accessible. I want to make transformation accessible because right now, how many people are actually interested in growth as a percentage of the population? Maybe ten percent. Mm-hmm. Maybe ten. But it's probably less than that, mm-hmm. probably closer to like 5%. And so I think to myself, how can I make this, this process of becoming um, a better person more enjoyable? How can I make it more aligned with the way that entertainment feels for people? And so that's, I don't think I've ever talked about that on a podcast before, no, but that's but where let, I but see let's, from. let's talk about that for a second. Sure. Because what's interesting to me is I met you um, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and you were um, much more reserved mm-hmm. and quieter. Yeah. And there Where it, did we meet? Uh at Lewis Howe's event. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you seem to me to be happier, mm-hmm. my judgment looking looking out from the outside, more in touch with who you are and more passionate about what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Does that feel true to you? Well, it feels really true, and I'll tell you why. One can I tell you one yeah. big reason why yeah, that of is? Course. So that would have been in October 2017, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah. And so I had a really like complete reorientation of my business, of my brand, my life in er in the early part of 2018. And what that centered around was like I was making great money. I was making way more money than I thought that I could ever make just a few short years ago. I had a bunch of great clients, but I started to think to myself like 
why am I still unfulfilled? And the reason why is because I hadn't oriented my business around having the absolute best product to serve our clients in our industry. I, as far as the product is concerned, two years ago, I felt like the the Life Changer Academy was just one among many. It wasn't, it wasn't singled out. It wasn't terribly different. And so what that meant for the results of the clients is, yeah, maybe we'd get 10, 15% of the clients to make six figures, but it wasn't the 70% or the 60 or the 80% that I really wanted it to be and that it was capable of being. And so I made a whole shift around like, you know what, I'm going to take a backseat from trying to market harder, which most of my competitors and most people in my industry are like, the way to grow your business is to market harder. It's to acquire more clients. But for me, I, I had a complete different understanding. I'm like, the way that I'm going to grow my business, the way that I'm going to stake my claim in this industry is I'm going to focus on developing the absolute best product that makes success for my clients automatic. I started telling my client to my team, I said, we're going to make this program so easy to succeed that a three-year-old fitness coach will make six figures a year doing it. We're going to actually, and why is it that most programs that are, say, business coaching programs have 10 to 15% of their clients succeed and the rest fall off the face of the earth? It's the difference between the 10 and the 90% is natural critical thinking skills. That's what I started realizing. It's like people that have great critical thinking, they're going to be successful no matter what. You give them a friggin' like a, a map with scribbles on it in a language they don't understand, they'll find a way to get to the destination. But most people are not like that. Most people don't have those natural, they didn't develop it for whatever reason. And so it was like, for me, I started going through this process, like how do I make this thing so automatic that somebody doesn't have to have critical thinking skills, they can just copy and paste essentially parts of their program. How can I white label a business for them so that they get in and success becomes automatic? And so that was a shit ton of work. That was way more work than I thought it was going to be. But over the next year and a half, which is, I started that journey in March to now, March of last year. Now we have by far the, the highest success rate of any program in our market. And actually it's pretty uncommon for business building programs in general, but it's because I went all in on making the product great. And actually about a year ago, I almost went, I almost ran out of money. I almost went bankrupt because I was like, so not about marketing. I was like draining every last dollar to invest into the product that I almost went bankrupt. I didn't. And now the business is thriving like it never has before because somebody comes, I mean, I, we helped over 100 people, 100 fit pros or health pros become six-figure earners in the last year, just in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. We have hundreds more throughout my time and having the, the, the academy as a whole. And so I think that focus on the product has actually made me feel much more aligned as a person because I have this sense that the work I'm doing in the world does it does matter. Like it, it means something. It means something more than I thought that it did a short time ago. I tell you what's interesting is that your your focus was more on the client's experience and getting the client's results. And what's interesting to me about that is that your personal level of fulfillment wasn't there because you weren't fulfilling what you felt like you could do yeah, 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 yeah. for, for others. So yes. your overall, you, actually your overall happiness was being affected because you weren't delivering oh. at the level that you wanted them to receive it at. Tremendously affected by that. What's interesting. So that, tell, that tells me and anybody listening how much you care about making a difference in somebody's life, which is the reason why you're the success that you are. So um, you. you're welcome. I'd like to 
talk a little bit about um, sort of a turning point for mm-hmm. you. Maybe you can take me back to around the 2015 time where you were recovering from knee surgery yeah, yeah. and you were sleeping on your uh, your friend's uh, couch, maybe That's like right. our friend uh, yeah. Lewis House, right? You yeah. and Lewis have that in common and <laughs> decided funny? to uh, make a career change uh-huh. into uh, making a full-time income as yep. an online coach. Can you kind of walk me through that time in your life and what you were thinking? Yeah, so that was actually about a month and a half after I uh, saw Tony. Mm. And, and so I'd made the decision when I saw Tony that, yeah, I'm going to become a coach. I'm going to become a trainer specifically, an online trainer. But I had no idea how to do it. And after I'd made that decision, I was still a little bit flimsy, a little bit floppy for the next month and a half. But it all changed for me when I had to get a surgery to repair my ACL, my right ACL from a basketball injury and. I couldn't. I could no longer do my job of door-to-door sales, which I was a door-to-door salesperson before I was a trainer. I was not a good one, but in title, I was a door-to-door salesperson. That's why I was broke, is because I was not selling much. What was that like? Oh man, that was brutal. I bet brutal. But I, I, I say that now. It's like, of course, I'm so grateful for how challenging it was emotionally, mentally, because I'm much more resilient now as a result of having put myself into the fire of that. But yeah, I mean, it It was a lot of failure for not a lot of reward and success, I'll say that. So I, I could no longer go and do my job of walking around doing door-to-door sales. And when I was lying there on my bed, I looked at my bank account and I realized, oh shit, like I don't have enough money to eat next week. Yeah. Like I have, I think I had like $49 and I'm like, I can stretch $49 out right. for like this bag of rice and a little bit of chicken and this back, kind of back stuff. To, back to ramen, right? That's right, a little yeah. bit of ramen. Yeah, 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 back to my college days, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. But what was I talking about? Well, I was I was asking Oh yeah, yeah, so the turning point. Okay, yeah. so, so I... So I looked at my bank and I'm like, oh crap, I need to do something. Now I reflected on one of my friends who I'd met a few months prior who was a, a online fitness coach. And he told me what the structure of his program was. And because I was like, what the hell do you actually do with online training? He's like, well, I charge a thousand dollars for eight weeks of coaching. And with that, they get a fitness, a custom fitness program. They get a custom training program. And then we do a weekly coaching call for like 15 to 20 minutes on their mindset. Yeah. Okay. And so when he told me this, I, and he was making like between four and $6,000 a month, working 15 to 20 hours a week mm-hmm. and traveling the world. And this is like some scrawny 19 year old kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? A four to $6,000 a month might have been, might as well have been a million dollars for sure for me at that time. Yeah. So I was completely flabbergasted. So what I said was to myself, well, you know, I'm just going to model one of the posts that I see he's made. I'm going to make an offer for online training on my profile. And even though I don't have experience, I'll figure it out as I go along. So I wrote this post, I shared my transformation journey, my, my transformation picture as well. And I said, hey, if you want to become a part of my the next round of my body transformation program, you can apply for one of four spots for over the next weeks. Just comment below or send me a message. It was literally just modeling what I saw somebody else do. I'd never done this before. I'd never mm-hmm. done a sales call for this, whatever. So the next day I get on the phone with somebody that I knew from college who was interested in losing some weight, seeing my transformation and was interested to see if I could help. At the end of the call, I, I just literally mimicked the exact same price that I saw my friend. I was like, hey, it's $9.97 for the next eight weeks. And um, would you like to do it on Visa or MasterCard? I literally just read a script that one of my buddies had shared with me, like word for word. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just read the script. I was like, uh, okay, $9.97, what do you say? He's like, well, do I pay you that now? And I was like, well, yeah, that, that's exactly what happens now. He's like, okay. 
how would you like the money? To By send? the way, those two seconds right there yeah. is fucking everything in sales. Yeah, yes. It, it is It is literally just sitting there and everything you want to do is to interrupt them, to, to, to sell more, to tell them the value, but that one second of, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking everything. It is. So you learned it. Okay, so this is interesting. So- what, here's what I've learned. I've learned that if, so, or, or I, I, I hope that people listening caught that, that you're in a place in your life and you're like not doing real well. You see somebody who is doing well. You're like, I think I could do that. So I'm going to model what they did. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel because he did it. And I'm just going to take the template and reproduce it. Hopefully I'll get similar results and I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Because you could have sat there for a year and learned Facebook marketing and learned how to create the proper training program. And you could have just, you know, analysis paralysis forever, but you didn't, you went, fuck it. I'm going to just, you know, it's like uh, Richard Branson talks about, screw it, let's do it. You're just going to mm-hmm. go in mm-hmm. and just do it. Okay. So then that created your first thousand dollars sale, thousand right? Dollars, that's right. Why the passion for online fitness coaches? In serving them now? Yeah. Well, in in first of all, in those first five months, from October to February of the next year, I, I slept in my Honda Accord and I slept on other people's couches or on pe- people's floors. So I was, I was technically, a fi- like, I was homeless yeah. during that period of time. Yeah. And throughout that time, I was trying everything. I was like throwing random shit at the wall. That was my whole business strategy at that time. You mentioned learning Facebook marketing or whatever else. Like I tried that. Like I tried spending money on Facebook ads. I built a webinar and tried to invite people to that. I built a website. I built an ebook and started selling that. I tried everything. Now I'd first started with the high ticket, the thousand dollars or the $1,500 worth of coaching. But then I was like, oh, maybe all of these other things will help me will help me grow it and scale it. Cause I was only getting like a client a month. It wasn't enough to live on. Mm-hmm. But then one day I went to see a, um, a new friend of mine in Encinitas and she's like this five foot five you know, life coach. Okay. She's not even a fitness coach, but she was successful. And so I was sharing my story with her. I was like, why is this such a big struggle for me? And she said, uh, and, and I was like trying to get her to enrolled in my pity party, basically. It's mm-hmm. the whole purpose of why it's I was funny sharing how we, all Funny this. how we do that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was like trying to get her to feel sorry for me. Life sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's go miserate. <laughs> yeah, but then she looked at me and like any good coach, she looked at me and she said, okay, well, she just didn't buy into the bullshit. She said, well, who's mentoring you? And I said, well, nobody. I don't have enough money for a mentor. And she looked at me right in the face and she said, that is the exact problem that would be solved if you got a mentor. You see, your problem isn't that you don't have money. Your problem is that you don't know how to make money when you need it. And so at that moment I woke up, I'm like, holy crap, I got to get a mentor right now. And thankfully we live in this amazing country with this amazing economic system where, which is built on the back of one core idea, credit other people's money. Yeah. And so I was like, let me get other people's money because if I do that, then I can I can use it to get skills today to grow my business, to become free finally. Pay it back. And then eventually, yes, and of course I'll pay it back. Now, yeah. if you do the strategy of like, I'm going to use credit for a vacation, that's a bad trade because right. you're not going to be able to pay it back. You're not going to get any new skills out of it. Yeah. But if you trade other people's money for skills today, then you can pay it back and you'll be way better off in that process. So- after I made the commitment that I'm going to start hiring mentors, I'm going to skip most of the details of this because if people listen to me on any other podcast, they'll share the full story of how I yeah. how I um, how I ended up selling my car to work with a mentor at one point. I was like, like sold the thing that I was living in for a short period of time. Um, 
to, to work with a business mentor. But over the next seven months after I was homeless, I made over $100,000 in my online training business. It was like the first month I made 4,000, but then I sold my car and reinvested in the mentorship program, invested in another mentor, invested in another mentor. And so I went from 4,000, 12,000, 16,000, 17,000, 15,000, 19,000, 17,000, and made over hundred grand. And nobody in my family makes money like this. Like this has been, this is completely foreign to them. And a bu- trainers don't make money like this. Like fitness coaches and health coaches, this is very unusual. The average trainer in America makes $24,000 a year. And I'd done a hundred thousand in six months. And so people started asking me, they, they're like, hey bro, I know you were struggling and not long ago. What are you doing that's different? And this just started happening over and over again. And at first I was like, well, you can figure it out your own damn self. Yeah. Like I'm not, you're gonna have to figure this out because these are my secrets. And if I share them with you, they won't work as well for me. That was my mindset. But then I started asking myself, like, what is my real outcome here? Like, why did I become a trainer in the first place? It's because I wanted other people to experience the gift that comes when you transform your body, when you get that level of confidence, that level of security, of of focus. It's like that had come to me after I transformed my body. I wanted as many people as possible to experience that. So Mm -hmm. I asked myself, what's going to be my best and fastest route to help that experience of transformation happen for as many people as possible? Is it going to be by me being the, the, the lead trainer that trains thousands of clients? Or in that moment, I realized, what if I just empowered trainers to do this? What if I empowered other fit pros or health pros to have this impact on people's lives? Because if I can help them be, be, have a successful business, the trickle-down effect will be far greater reaching than I could do on my own. So I held off for a little bit in in mentoring at that time, but around the time of the next year, I'd had enough people just kind of like beating down my door for this information. I was like, okay, let me let me build something for you. And my first client was a guy named Dan. And I was just like testing my processes with Dan because I didn't know if it would work for him the same way it worked for me. He But he was in a similar position as me where he didn't have a big following. He had like 1,500 Facebook friends and I don't know, 400 Instagram followers. He lived in a small town in Montana, Kalispell, and was making around twenty-five or $30,000 a year as a trainer. He was a very talented trainer. He knew how to get people results, but he just didn't understand the business savvy of what it takes to get clients and get them paying highly. And so I said, Dan, here's exactly what you're going to do. We're going to identify your ideal client. We're going to, here's the structure of your program. Here's the sales script you're going to use. And here's the content that you're going to post to start attracting clients. So he did it exactly as I said. And then in his first two and a half weeks, he made over 16 grand, which was literally half of his annual income. And he made it in two and a half weeks. When that happened, and then he made 30, he made 30,000 in his first 12 weeks. When that happened, I was like, maybe there's something here. Maybe I have access to something that most people don't that most people have never even heard of before. Because if it was so easy for Dan to succeed, then I could just reproduce this process, make it simpler, make it easier, and then I could um, serve more trainers with this information. The question I have for you is, what is it about personal trainers that mm. you know are in the $24,000 range? Like, mm-hmm. like you know yeah. the personal trainer mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe lack of mindset. I don't know. Yeah. What, what is like, what is that sort of like, what's that ethos? Like, what's that world? Like what's, what's their thinking? Like, why are they struggling so much? You know, what's great about personal trainers or, or health professionals in general is that 
they got into this industry because they deeply care for people. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't become a personal trainer because you're trying to get rich. Nobody right. does. You don't become a health person because you're trying to get rich. You do it because you've experienced some level of personal transformation. We'll share it. And you want to give it to other people. So what I love about, the, about my clientele is they're super heart-centered. They're mm-hmm. super loving towards their clients. And at the same time, now lots of coaches are very heart-centered and loving. You can take a, a life coach or a spiritual coach and they're awesome people and they're very loving. But one thing that I noticed because I at one, during a season of time, I actually started taking on all kinds of coaches to help them grow their businesses. And oh, I, so, so you don't just do when you say health coaches, do you include life coaches? I don't. You I don't. don't. Okay, no, so I, when I say health coaches, I'm talking about anyone that helps get a a physical or tangible, measurable result. Could be nutrition. Could definitely nutrition. Could be training. Could be training. Got yeah, it. Dietitians okay. are in that category. Got et it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So. Um, life coaches are very heart-centered people. They're amazing, loving people. But what I found is in my training, lots of different coaches from lots of different kinds of industries is that for whatever reason, the fitness coaches and the health coaches were more disciplined. They were just harder working. They were just faster implementers. They didn't have as much of the the like mindset blocks of like, can I do it? Should I do it? Can I work on it? Can I not work on it? They just took what I said and implemented it immediately. Whereas other kinds of industries, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, can I do this? Can it work for me, et cetera? And so when I found that, that all these fitness coaches and health coaches were like super hard working, I was like, these are the kind of people I definitely want to work with because they're, they're just drivers. So, they're drivers. They're so much easier to coach. I just give them a, a game plan or a blueprint mm. and and then they execute it. Now, unfortunately though, what happens with a lot of trainers is they are they have an employee mindset and what i have to help them do is transition to an entrepreneur mindset an employee mindset is like you give me the structure and i'll go and fulfill on it and an entrepreneur mindset is i create the structure needed to get an outcome okay an employee mindset says my income is capped via this salary, via the trading hours for dollars, which is what all trainers do. And so they expect less of themselves and of their income. Rather, an entrepreneur is like, I can make whatever I want. I'm the one that sets my own prices. I'm the one that defines my clientele. I'm the one that can work on myself to be better and so on, so I can grow my income. Employee mindset, most of them, many of them believe that to make more money is to take from people. It's actually to manipulate others. Like in order for me to be rich, I have to take from other people. That's the way that rich people got that way. But an entrepreneur says the way that I get rich is I add more value to people than anyone else in my industry. I solve problems better so that people's lives are better off after I build. And so that's actually maybe one of the most critical ones, Rob, is trainers have this mindset that I can't both make a difference and make a good income. I have to choose. And so most of them have chosen to make a difference, quote unquote, by being a trainer, but they just don't believe that also making a higher income is possible. It's really interesting. Just so I understand, when you're when you're coaching the trainers, mm-hmm. are they seeing clients privately or are they doing it's all it online? On, so so Everything. you are doing you're coaching online for them how to coach online. Correct. Yep. Interesting. It's an yeah. interesting model. Let me tell you what I love about it. What I love about it is that you can scale and they can scale. Exactly. Everybody's scaling. Yes. Yeah, that's no caps there. That's really, really cool. And the margins when you do an online training business versus a versus having a gym or having an in-person clientele are so much higher. Because if you have a gym, then you've got all this overhead. And I coach so many gym owners that want to grow online training. They want to get out of the gym business and go to the online training business because they realize, yeah, sure, I make my 20 grand a month in my gym, but if I'm paying 16, 
out for expenses, for trainers, for lights and overhead and all that stuff, then it's like they're really only making four. So when people that are my online trainers, they make 20, they keep 16. So it's like the, the numbers are reversed and they only pay out 4,000 instead. I love it. Yeah. I, want to, uh, I want to shift gears. Wow, sure. time, time is flying with you. Um, I want to shift gears and I want to talk a little bit about fulfillments, which we yeah. opened the show with. Yeah. In my experience and what the aim of this uh, particular podcast is, is people work really, really hard, but they, like most of the people who listen to the show, they don't need any help with, you know, motivation. They yeah. don't need any help with drive. Mm-hmm. They, they know how to work hard. Mm-hmm. But my experience is most of those work hard people struggle when it comes to playing hard. It's like they yeah. can't they can't disconnect. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a, a struggle for them. So I want to ask you a few questions around well, that. Well, I, I definitely struggle with that. I mean, I'm one of those people. Yeah. I definitely fit into that category. You know, was, what, what's funny was when I, Came up with the idea for the show. I was like, "We're gonna. It's gonna be great. We're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk to the best people in their industry about what they do and how they do it. And that's gonna be the work hard part. And then we're gonna talk about how they play hard. Mm-hmm. And so I had like the show was like two different people. The first half of the show was like entrepreneurs like you, super excited, revved up, like just fucking killing it. I'm like so excited. Learn this. I learned that. And then I would you know ask them questions like, "So what's lighting you up outside of work?" And they'd be like. Ah, uh, so outside of work, the, and they struggled. Well, it that, was well that's really like what people ask me the question, well, what do you do in your free time? I'm like, what free time? I know, because here, here's the problem. The problem is that when an entrepreneur, this is my just my personal bias, when somebody views what they do as not working and they're, they love it so much, they tend to do it a lot. Right. And when they do it a lot, they largely ignore other areas of their lives. Right, right. And then so later on they wake up and they're like, oh shit, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not now, now I'm 50. And there's so many things I want to do, which is how the work hard, play hard experience yeah, was uh, created. It. So what is the new behavior or belief um, in the last couple of years that has significantly improved the quality of your life? Therapy. Mm, tell me about that. Therapy. Are you doing EMD? Is that what that's called? Um, what what is it? Uh, cognitive CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay, and yeah. what is it? We don't have to get too deep into that, sure. but like, what what is it about the therapy that um, has made such a difference for you? Well, definitely, it's it's helped me get clear on my internal emotional triggers and where that sourced from in my childhood. A lot of people, I'll say for me, especially as a as a leader in a business, like there, I am I am more emotionally volatile naturally than is probably good for my team, is probably good for me. I can like so easily swing from anger to joy, like back and forth quickly um, based on different inputs. And so what therapy has helped me do, it's helped me identify like, what, why am I getting angry? Like, why am I feeling so deeply sad? Why, why do I feel the need to lash out? Why do I feel the need to whatever? And then like, where is that sourced from in my life? Because once I can understand where these triggers come from, once I can understand where these negative emotional responses show up or why they show up or where they first showed up, then I have power over them. I think that for me, therapy is so beautiful, just like you know, any good life coaching is really beautiful because it helps you understand like the blind spots or the blocks that um, are really the, the keys that are holding you back from, from your fullest life. It's like most people... It, it's it's what you're not aware of that exists within you that owns you. Mm, I love that. You know, it's uh, it, it's interesting. I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I did an interview with somebody, I can't remember who it was. Um, and we were talking about 
um, how, you know, like a lot of entrepreneurs that like have a goal, I want to make a million bucks and they make it. And then, then they move the target. Now it's 2 million and it's 3 million, it's 4 million. And they just keep moving it. You yeah, know? yeah. And she said, she coaches high level execs. And she said, in my experience, there's usually something that they're making up for. It could be something in their definitely, childhood. Definitely. It could be something they didn't get. Mm-hmm. And that is unconsciously guiding them. Totally. And if they can unlock that. And so that's why I love when you're explaining therapy, because first of all, there's stigma around it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what's wrong with me if I have to go to therapy? But I, although I do think that's changing, I don't think people view yep. it as much as they used to anymore. But the willingness to do the work, I think is so important. So I love that you're doing that. Mm. Are there any positions or opinions that you've had in the last few years, or it could be way back, it doesn't have to be in the last few years, that you've changed your mind substantially about? You've shifted your position where you're like, you know, I used to think this, but I don't think that way anymore. What I've learned is that if I want to identify my beliefs, then all I have to do is look at my results. And if I want to improve my beliefs, I just need to look at my results to know what I need to believe instead. I want to dig into this for a second. Mm -hmm. So you look at your results. Yeah, look at my results. Yeah. So I live live in this house. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I look around and go, okay, this is the house I'm living in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my belief about how much it cost me for Mm -hmm. this house Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is. I'm living in this house because of every belief that I've had that led me here. Yeah. So if yeah. I want to, if I wanted a bigger house, then I need to change the beliefs. Exactly. That's so good. Exactly. If I want to, if I'm, I look at my relationship right now and it's it's not what I want it to be. If I'm unhappy, or if I'm, or if I'm single, or if I'm married, or if I'm if I'm very happy, then that's gonna that's gonna reach back to a set of beliefs that you've built up over time, and so. Like with relationships, a couple of years ago, I, I didn't think that I was either capable of a relationship, of a good quality relationship, or that I was um, worthy of it, mm. or that it was good for me. That was my thinking on it. And so over the last year and a half, though, I've completely shifted that belief to realize that being in a relationship is something that I do crave. I do want the the companionship, the love, the the excitement, the shared ambition, the shared purpose that comes from it. So whereas before I was like, oh, this would take from my business. This would take from my vision, from my ambition. Now I see it as this is something that adds to it in the right context. This gives to me. So in the past, your beliefs around relationships were, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but mm-hmm. I think I'm starting to pick this up. Your beliefs around relationships in the past were, it's it's going to be an inconvenience. Inconvenience. It's going, totally. to, um, it's going to interrupt my business growth, yes. it's go, all of these beliefs that you had. Yep. But now you've interrupted the pattern to mm-hmm. use a Tony Robbins-ism mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you've looked at it and went, that's not true. That's right. just a story or a belief that I made up in my head around that. Dude, that was so good. Thank you for that. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Well, Austin, where I live, Austin, Texas. Let's talk about Austin. So yeah. I really, um, let me give you a pre-frame. Mm-hmm. I... Spent. I've always wanted to live in Southern California because of the weather. Mm-hmm. Right, that's just my my dream. Yeah. Right? I lived in Atlanta for twenty five years, and Austin was the place where my friends from LA said, "Don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> Go to Austin." And I don't like humidity. Mm-hmm. And I've been in the South for a long time, and there's mm-hmm. sort of a Southern mentality. I know Austin's a little bit different, um, so I made the decision to come to LA. Yeah. But I know that you lived in LA. I did four years. Loved it here for four years, and then moved to Austin. So mm-hmm. tell me, talk, give me some color on that. Yeah. So I moved to Austin 
because I had one of my mentors was a guy named Alex Sharfin, and he constantly extolled the virtue of Austin because he lived in Orange County, actually in Anaheim for a long time. Okay. And so at first I was skeptical because I'd lived here for four years. I'd never had a bad thought about LA. I love LA for so many reasons. It's an amazing place. But he was telling me, well, you can get all the same friendships like with other amazing, ambitious people because that's a big reason why I lived here. It's like I wanted to be around people, as I said before, mm-hmm. as part of my journey, mm-hmm. be around people that are as driven or more driven or more successful than you. He's like, you're going to get all of that here in Austin. You're going to get way more variety with the kinds of activities that you can do outdoor and so on. You're going to get an incredible wellness community out here because people here are really interested in fitness and biohacking and peak performance. And you're going to save a shit ton of money because mm. it's no state taxes and the cost of living is just way less. Yeah, it's like half. Than living, exactly, than living in Los Angeles. And so for all those reasons, I was like, and, and he also said, well, just know that as your business is going to start scaling rapidly, which it ended up doing, he told the truth, you're going to you're gonna end up hating that like huge check that you write to the government, the California government every single year. So with all those reasons in mind, I was like, okay, well, let me just let me just go visit a few times. So I visited and I fell in love with it. You I love the culture. Yeah, because in Austin, Austin has a couple things that LA has, but it has something else that LA didn't have. And it, I still get the ambitiousness. I still get the amazing connection to other hardworking people. But what I didn't expect and what I didn't know that I'd get in Austin is I get people that really want deep connection way more. Now, I'm not going to say that LA is one way or it isn't one way because it's not fair. Like I have a limited experience of it. I'm just one person. But in my experience, my connection with people here in in Los Angeles, the people are more like, I'm in my world, you're in your world, I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing. It wasn't about like, let's share and live life together mm-hmm. side by side. Because that's mm-hmm. what kind of, I think, the nature of a big city is people kind of get into their own silos. But in Austin, people are so much more collaborative. Like I, I remember when I first moved there, I'm like, hey, I'm just going to do a gathering. We're just going to invite the people that I know to a Sunday gathering in my house. Well, I invited probably 12 people, 30 people showed up. It's like people were just like telling their friends, oh my gosh, let's go hang out. And it was so easy. It was literally like the day before or two days before I mentioned it. And people showed up. That would have never happened in LA because in LA, people would be like, well, I could do this or I could do that. Or I could do this or I could do that. And then they'd say yes to all of them. And then at the last minute, <laughs> they choose the one that felt they the, choose sex, the, one that the they, sexiest. Exactly. Exactly. But in Austin, it's like people say yes and then they actually show up and then they stay for not only the time that you've invited them, but for longer, as long as you keep the doors open. So that's interesting. Anywhere in the world to spend a month would be Austin. So I'm gonna, yeah. pu- I'm gonna push you a little bit okay. and say outside of Austin. Okay, so I would probably do it in New York would be one. Interesting, why? You like the action? I love the action. Yeah, I love the energy of the city. And whenever I go to New York, I just feel like so inspired. I love walking next to the buildings and feeling small next yeah. to them because I'm like, wow, if 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 mankind can build buildings like this, like yeah. I'm capable of more. That's like definitely where my mind is. It's goes. sexy. But there's a few places where I'm going to go in the early part of next year. Now, my, it's interesting. My business is at a place now where I am less needed in the day-to-day than I've ever been. I you mean, created that though. Exactly. I worked hard yeah. for that. But now it's time to do more playing hard in in my life. So I have a team of 19. We'll be at 23 by the end Whoa. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we have hundreds of clients, so it's like it's a big it's a big task to take to serve all these people. 
And yet I am now a little bit more removed than I've ever been. I kind of have more space to think and to dream and to envision what's going to be the next season for us. What's the next opportunity? And I've talked to all my friends that when you're at the multiple seven figure level, you're making like between three and 5 million a year and you want to go to eight figures, which I certainly do and will be at soon. It's like, you need actually more space. You actually need to work less in order to make that transition because a business can get to a million or a few million by virtue of the talent of the CEO, but it can't get to eight figures that way. It doesn't. You have to be good at empowering other leaders to be great at the things that you're great at so that you have more of the businesses being handled, but not by your personal touch. This is interesting. I have a friend who's got a $20 million company and I spoke to him the other day and he said, I'm going to be stepping down as uh, president of the company. I was like, dude, you created this company in your garage. Like, what do you mean you're stepping down? He said, I've learned through my board now that I can take the company. I have the skill set now to take it to 20 million but I need to have somebody else who has done it. And they hired somebody from Yahoo who's done it to go from 20 to a hundred. Yeah, 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 yes. He said, so all all I've been able to do is get it here. And so the investors, the capital investors and all the other people are like, well, it's great. You did a great job, but now we want to go to a hundred. And so we need the guy who knows how to go to 20. And he said, so I'll learn. And I'll learn how to go to 20. I'm like, it's so interesting. Your own freaking company. Yeah. But- you know, it kind of goes down to belief of what we were talking about earlier, totally. you know? All right, we're going to hit our rapid round answer Let's as quickly as you like. What would one of your friends say is your superpower? Focus. What's one thing you're afraid of right now? Relaxing too much. <laughs> definitely want to investigate that one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what keeps you up at night? Um, my my dreams. My dreams for my people. I love my, I love my clients so much. I just want to make them successful. That's amazing. What do people never ask you, but the, but you wish they did? What my favorite comfort food is. Oh, it's a great question. What is it? It's fried chicken. <laughs> Definitely fried chicken. <laughs> I'm immediately hungry. Um, what's the one thing top of mind that you want to get better at? I want to get better at patience. Mm. I feel like I'm, I'm still too emotionally up and down and patience would have me be stable, calm, consistent. Love that. Yeah. What book have you reread the most or re-listened? The to? Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Oh uh, yeah. I've I've read it probably on the bottom shelf there on the left. I've I've read it between eight and ten times, and I. It's the best written. It is. It has everything. It is. <laughs> There's nothing that's not. It's in like that. somebody somebody asked me for a book recommendation. I'm you want like, to go like which book? Yeah. 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 It's got everything. It's, exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad you know. It has everything. He yeah. he missed nothing. Yeah. Nothing. He's got it. Yeah. What's the one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you're never going to do it? I own, I'm a minimalist. So I own very few things. Uh-huh. I, I'm very happy with like a carry on luggage and a backpack. Um, maybe there isn't anything. Maybe your whole sort of thinking yeah, around this is like, if thing, I don't want it, I get rid of it. I literally get rid of it instantly. Yeah. I, I just like own as few things as possible intentionally. It's really interesting. The, uh, the same guy I was telling you about with the $20 million company, he just bought a, uh, a house, like a, a ski house. And he said, you know what? He has a, a big house in it, where he lives, but he bought a ski house and he said, you know, I bought four of everything. I said, what do you mean? He said, I have four forks, <laughs> four knives, Four cups, <laughs> one toaster, one set, two set, sets. He said, I literally 
have nothing and I've never been fucking happier. Yeah. And so there's something oh, to that. Oh, that's real shit. I love that. Okay, last question. We're gonna switch it up. What one question would you like to ask me? How do I transition from working hard and feeling guilty about rest to, or how does a person do that, to working hard and loving and truly enjoying their rest and their play? You have to make a decision that in the same way that you are like, I want to grow, so I'm gonna evaluate my beliefs. I want to draw lines for where my childhood issues may be affecting me in the future. Mm. You have to sit down and say, okay, I am not a machine. I can only work so hard effectively. Mm -hmm. And there's gonna be a point of diminishing returns where I'm becoming ineffective mm -hmm. and I'm not mm -hmm. working the way I need to. And I have to have periods of inspiration in the same way that you just described walking around New York and stepping into that makes you feel a certain way. When I dropped people into Florence, Italy, couple of weeks ago, I had uh, uh, 15 or 20 of us that were there and they're walking around and they're looking at things that they've never seen in their life before. It sparks new ideas, new insight, new creativity that you would never ever get if you stayed in your silo, in your box and didn't get out of it. So you actually, if you step back and you look at it objectively, you realize that if you don't schedule time for inspiration, you're not gonna get it. Mm, and so wow. for me, it just makes sense that you have to, we weren't designed as human beings, we're not robots. We weren't designed as a machine to only work. There are so many other areas of our lives. And if without getting too, uh, too neurological in, in, in this conversation, when you do the same thing over and over again, it's kind of like when you drive your car and you, you, know, you go to work and you're like, I don't even remember driving there. You've hardwired those, those neurosynaptic junctions that, that you just, you go through it robotically. Mm -hmm. But when you are in Hawaii and you see that sunset for the first time in Maui and like, you're like, it blew my mind. It literally did blow your mind because your circuits haven't been wired that way. Mm. And so you're out of your body and you're in something new. And when you're in that new state, that's where the new ideas from. That's why when people tell me they get their ideas in the shower, it's because they're actually not doing the same thing. They're, they're stepping away. Why meditation is helping, they're stepping away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to your point of entertainment, if you can do it in a way that's entertaining. So like this year, um, the next one we're doing is gonna be in Marrakesh. So I'm putting people that have never woken up in the morning to the call to prayer from a Muslim country. I don't know what that sounds like. This is like. Morocco, right? Morocco, yeah. yeah. So we're gonna be going to Morocco with people that either A, have never been out of the country or B, have been out of the country, but it's been to like to the Caribbean or Paris or something. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna put them into Africa. Wow. And they're gonna be in a place that they've never been before. And what happens is they see so many different things. Mm. You like, when I'm with you and we're hanging out in Marrakesh having mint tea and talking about life. You're in a different state. I'm in a different state. We're in a different surrounding. You get new ideas mm -hmm. that you just don't have. And when I put you in a group of 20 people that are entrepreneurs, now you're all bouncing ideas, but we tend to put ourselves in these bubbles over and over again. If we stay, if we go to the Caribbean, we stay at the Four Seasons because mm -hmm. we're used to that comfort level. And mm -hmm. so you might as well just be in LA <laughs> because you're just putting yourself in the same bubble. Mm -hmm. So getting yourself 
out of it, forcing yourself to get out of it, is it's almost like an addiction. For the first day or two, I have to take people, like Kayla's an example. I know you know Kayla, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, just on her show. <clears throat> okay, Kayla went with me to Monaco. And it was like, it's like the first day we were there. She's like, dude, I got so much to do. I don't know if we'd be able to make it. I'm like, get your fucking ass out of here. We are going. And so I we grabbed her and we put her in a vintage car. And we went like, she walked, she, she, her, her and her husband, Chase, like walk, and Chris and Lori and all the people we know, I walked, they walked outside. They had 20 vintage cars that were lined up for them. Ferraris from the 70s, Rolls Royces from the 60s, all lined up. They all jumped in and we took a vintage car ride through the French Riviera. And then we did a masterminding ses session at a castle in this little village in Ez. They had the time of their life. Like their life is changing before them. And then when they come back, it's like they were out of their body. Yeah. And so it's a long answer to the question, but basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to get them to enjoy all of the areas of life mm -hmm. and not just hit the next financial target. Yeah. Make sense? It does. Dude, that was really good. That was so good, I enjoyed man. it, man. Thank yes. you so much. Appreciate you, um, Any uh, final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? Yeah, if you are a fit pro or a health pro and you wanna grow an online coaching business, two things for you. Number one, come hang out. You're listening to a podcast. Come to the Life Changer podcast if you want more goodies Life on Life Changer? Life Changer, yeah, one word. Yeah, okay. structure, sell, and scale a fitness or online health coaching business. And then if you're like serious and you're like, hey, I actually want to talk to somebody. I want to get some support on this, like how I need to structure my personal business, then just go to sterlinggriffin.com slash G-A-I-N-Z, G-A-I-N-Z, gains. Gains. With a Z. With a Z. It's very personal trainer. And uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's why we did it. I just love because that Because you know word. the personal trainer is going, yo, bro, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that was lit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We'll leave it on that. All right, we'll link everything up in the show notes. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. <laughs>